Life Audio. Hey there, welcome to the Compared Who Show. I'm Heather Creekmore, your host. Today I'm interviewing my good friend, Dr. Michelle Bankson. She is a neuropsychologist. She's the author of a number of books, including a great book on depression, a book on anxiety called Breaking Anxiety's Grip. She had a fun book that came out last year that we talked about on this show. And now she's got a new book on pain, suffering, and grief. Ooh, all those fun topics. But today, I think you'll find our conversation very hope-filled and encouraging. As we talk about pain, what do we believe about pain? What do we believe about suffering? Why, when we have food issues, do those flare up when everything else is going wrong or feels out of control in our lives? We go to all these places today. Dr. Michelle enlightens us as to neuroplasticity, why our thoughts are so vitally important, and how we need to fight the lies of the enemy that want to consume our thought lives. I think you're going to get a lot out of today's show. Let's get to it. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here, the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Today, my guest is my friend, Dr. Michelle Bankson. She's a neuropsychologist and we're going to talk about something that may not be very fun. Okay. Let's just be honest, right? (laughs) Michelle, um, but it's something, oh goodness, y'all, we all need to hear this and understand this. We're going to talk about pain. We're going to talk oh. about suffering. We're going to talk about grief. Oh, this sounds really uncomfortable, doesn't it? But, but my friend, Dr. B, Michelle has this brand new book out. And if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to be able to see the cover. If you're not, you're going to have to just go to Amazon and look it up and order it to see the cover. <laughs> but it's called The Hem of His Garment. And her subtitle is Reaching Out to God When Pain Overwhelms. Ah, Michelle, I am so glad you're here for this conversation. I think this is important for all of us personally, right? There's always going to be times in our lives where this is a message that's going to resonate or be needed. But beyond that, as I think specifically about women who wrestle body image issues, there's a lot of pain there. So I'm glad to have you and all your expertise here for a conversation today, but I would love to just start by tell us you've walked through some hard stuff. You've had some pain in your life. We kind of just share a little bit of your pain journey with us and maybe how that inspired you or influenced you to write the book. I will give you the highlights or this would end up being four episodes long, (laughs) but I'll share enough to give your listeners and your viewers kind of a a sense of what drove this book. I mean, I was born premature back in a day when babies under three pounds didn't survive. So I was fighting for life at birth. But when I was three years old, I was stricken with a major illness 
the doctors never could figure out what it was. Had a fever of 107 and the doctor's big concern was we need to get that fever down or she will A, die or B, be cognitively impaired the rest of her life. Mary, long story short, was they tried everything, Heather, and their last resort was to tell my parents to give me aspirin, not knowing I'm deathly allergic to aspirin. And aspirin reeked in my body. They pinched my stomach. They got out as much as they could, but it left me with a severe physical deformity. You've seen me before. I've, I've got a peg leg and I've got a foot that's deformed that looks like the Chinese women where they bind their feet mm-hmm. to keep them small. The That's what my foot looks like. Mm-hmm. And so every day between that deformity and a two inch leg length difference, every single step I take is coupled with pain. But we've also been through the gamut of pain, not just physical pain. I deal with bone on bone pain. I've dealt with a cancer diagnosis, but in the hem of his garment, we draw attention to the fact that we're all accustomed to physical pain, Mm. but there's also emotional pain, Mm -hmm. relational pain. There's financial pain. Mm. Frequently we experience spiritual pain when we're left going, God, where are you? And God, if you loved me, how would you let this happen? And then we also need to talk about, especially with respect to body image, there's secondary pain Mm -hmm. and nobody ever talks about that, but that's the kind of pain that is inflicted by the words or actions of someone else, typically it shames us. Mm -hmm. And what it does then is it makes every other kind of pain that we're already dealing with so much worse. So secondary pain can look like, well, if only you would diet more, you wouldn't weigh that. Or if only you would exercise more, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have heart disease or diabetes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Or if you hadn't done X, Y, and Z, you wouldn't be dealing with this. Yeah. And frequently, I do think they mean well, mm-hmm. but they don't realize that their words inflict even greater pain. And right. so I've been through the gamut of every single one of those types of pain through my life, including grief and loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the pain brought me to a really dark place where I was really left to question God. Mm -hmm. What if you care? Mm -hmm. Why are you letting me suffer? Mm -hmm. God, I know you can heal. So why aren't you healing me? God, when I need you the most, how come you seem the quietest? And I'll be perfectly honest with your audience and tell you that the publisher came to me and said, Michelle, will you write this book on pain? Mm -hmm. And I didn't say anything right away, but in my head, I thought, no, because (laughs) I know what I have to go through in order to write a book to help someone else. I mean, that's just being true. To write my book on depression, I had to go through depression. To write Mm -hmm. the Breaking Anxiety Group, I had to go through anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I knew to write a book on pain, Mm -hmm. meant I was going to go through some more pain Mm -hmm. to help other people. But more than anything, I wanted to be obedient to God more than I wanted to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I wanted through the pages of this book to offer a helping hand to someone else who's in pain and feels like nobody understands and nobody cares because that's what I needed to know. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. As you know, as I think about the whole subject of pain and suffering, I feel like 
and, and I think part of this may be some bad theology in my background, to, to be frank with you. But I feel like it's a bit of a hurdle for me to get to pain as normative, right? I think my default, my training, my wiring, whatever it is, is if there's pain, I should be doing something to fix it, right? Kind of like the shaming statements you said earlier, right? It's like, if there's pain, well, then, you know, exercise (laughs) more to be quote unquote healthier. So you won't have that pain anymore. Like that there should be something within my control that I can do to take the pain away. And so if I'm still in pain, like I'm doing something wrong, right? But is that good theology? It's normal. Okay. I think when we're in pain (laughs) to have those thoughts, and I certainly did, I had very faulty theology, Heather. I thought here I was serving God. I was seeing patients and lending them hope. And I do the podcast and I write the books and I thought, God, I'm serving you like how could you let this happen? And and another layer of that is, but God, I could be so much more effective mm-hmm. for you in your kingdom if I wasn't suffering. Right. Nowhere in scripture, though, can I find a place that says the more you serve God, the less you're going to suffer. In fact, I see quite the contrary. Right. I see Jesus say, you will suffer for my name's sake. You mm-hmm. will participate in my suffering. But we who live in this instantaneous can-do society where, you know, you you plunk something into a vending machine and you get your greatest wish, mm-hmm. that's what we want to happen because we're so pain averse yeah. that when we encounter pain, we're like, God, you need to fix it mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. And Jesus says, no, in, in this world, you're going to experience suffering. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to lay it out there for you. You will. Yeah. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Now I wanted that take heart. I've overcome the world to mean, and I will heal you Mm -hmm. now today or next week, this side of heaven. Certainly he doesn't promise that, but he, he did overcome the world when he died and he was resurrected and he was then went to be seated at the right hand of the father. And I personally am looking forward to that life so much more than this, because there is the promise of hope after a little while. Amen. We have hope and a future. Let's talk more about this right after this break. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. 
So as I think about like the world of eating disorders, I think part of what we do, and maybe you can give more like sciencey doctor words to this. <laughs> okay. But I think part of what we do is there might be pain in another area of our life, stress, discomfort, circumstances that are out of our control. And I can't do anything about, you know, my husband losing his job, which I know you walk through. I can't do anything about, you know, my, my kids rebellion, or I can't do anything about like this big life, stressful circumstance, but I can control my food. I feel like I can control my body. Like, why do we do that, Michelle? Like, what, what is that when we turn our pain into body control? <laughs> There's probably a better word, but that's the word I'll use. This may not be the answer that you or your listeners want, Okay, but what that is, it's pride. Mm. And it be, that was the first sin. The first sin wasn't Eve eating the apple. Mm. It was Satan thinking he was better than God. And that's why he was banished from heaven. And we all struggle with pride in some area of our life. But that mentality, that compensatory coping mechanism that I can't control my husband losing his job or my mom getting cancer, but I can control this area. That's pride coming through that I I need, I need to be able to control something in my Mm -hmm. life. So we will search for that area that we're under the illusion Mm -hmm. that we can actually control. Absolutely. But do we really control all of our vital organs in our brain and our heart and our lungs and our kidney? We can do things that help that, but truly the author and creator of life is the one who controls it. We really don't, but it's a way of kind of assuaging that anxiety that comes when we're out of control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that answer. I mean, because just even explore that a little further, right? Like Satan was the most beautiful of all the angels, right? (laughs) Like, like to some degree, It was, it was that bit of, I mean, I guess I can't say imperatively that it was that, but, but but like he had that status and it wasn't enough, right? He wanted the glory that was God's and oh goodness, like the amount of times I've been in church singing worship songs to God, kind of hoping people would notice how pretty I was. Wanting a little bit of that glory. It's like, oh, I've been there too. But yeah. Oh, I love I love that answer. That's woo. It's tough stuff today, you guys. <laughs> it hurts a little, but you know, we are talking about pain. Yeah. And yeah. and at the root of us wanting our pain to dissipate, that we want to be able to control it. Mm-hmm. And whether our pain is physical or emotional or relational or any of the other kinds that we've mentioned, we are so pain averse Mm. that we just want God to take it away yesterday. And when he doesn't, that's when we start going down the slippery slope of believing lies, Mm. the same kind of lies that contribute to Bonnie image issues. 
Yeah. So it really does. It's the same thing. We've got to come back to where's that thought coming from? Yeah. Is it truth or a lie? And how do I reject it if it's not truth? Yeah, I love that. Let, let's let's go there because that's actually what I had marked in your book. <laughs> the place I had marked to go next was was thinking about those thoughts. And you you mentioned Philippians four eight in here, and I I work with clients all the time on you know making that verse a filter through which they put their thoughts through. But but as a neuropsychologist, right? Like this isn't just. Bible stuff, right? The the way God created our brain <laughs> is like science. The Bible makes science make sense, right? So, right? so talk to me about neuroplasticity and our thoughts and like what, what's happening there and maybe like what we need to happen <laughs> as we process pain. As we think thoughts they will send out projections to different parts of our brain because our thoughts will do things like tell our heart to beat faster or slow down because there's an oncoming car. So God gave us this amazing organ that's bigger than any of our other organs. But what happens is as we repetitively think a thought, it really becomes entrenched. Kind of like if you've ever gone down a dirt path The first time you go down it, you can't even really tell that there is a path there. But the more people use that path, the more it gets ingrained and it becomes very obvious because it gets deeper and the the weeds won't grow there because you keep going down that same path. The weeds start growing on the side. Well, same thing happens with our brain as we start thinking things. And the more we think those thoughts the more entrenched they come, the more they form our beliefs and our beliefs form our attitudes and our attitudes contribute to our actions. It can be something like as a child, maybe you're learning to tie your shoes, you're two or three years old and and somebody just says, what, you can't figure it out? You're so stupid. We hear that thought, we believe it. And then before you know it, we start speaking that thought out. Well, it's because I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. And that's where the enemy gets us because frequently we ruminate on those negative thoughts, Mm -hmm. whereas God speaks over us positive thoughts. Mm -hmm. The enemy always tells us what we aren't. Mm -hmm. You aren't smart enough. You aren't pretty enough. You aren't rich enough. You aren't thin enough. And God always tells us what you are. You are loved. You are adored. You are cherished. You are my child. You are an heir. You're seated on the right hand of Christ, but we tend to focus on the negative. The neat thing about neuroplasticity is that we can train our brain Mm. to let the weeds grow on those ruts and form new pathways, Mm. but it takes conscious work. So when I have that thought, this happened once I was speaking and I needed someone to help me with the technology. I am not tech savvy. (laughs) So a friend was helping me with, with the PowerPoint. And she said, Michelle, I just need to know what it is that you're trying to communicate. And I was so overwhelmed. And in a second, I said, I don't know. I'm just so stupid. I was sitting at the dining room table at the time. And my then eight or 10 year old son was sitting there and he looked up. He's like, only if you believe that thought, mom. Mm. 
And I had taught him about assessing is what I'm believing a truth or a lie. And I looked up at him and I said, you are right. I am not stupid. I have the mind of Christ. I just need to slow down and think about what it is I'm trying to communicate through these slides. That is how quickly Mm -hmm. Satan gets to us. And if we don't slow down, we don't even notice the thoughts that we're having that wreak havoc. And we have between 50 and 70,000 thoughts a day. So when God says, take every thought captive, it is a lot. (laughs) It's a full-time job for some people. (laughs) Yeah. For me, it was. Yeah. Well, and, and I love that you said like, it's so much our normal. I mean, I feel like when I'm working with someone and if I try to ask them the first time, first time we talk, like, what are the lies you hear? Like, uh, you know, maybe they can get one or two. But the truth is always, if you're only plagued by those one or two lies, then you probably wouldn't be talking to me. <laughs> like, it's not really that big of a deal for you, right? And and so it's digging deeper into like, oh, whoa, I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. Wait, none of that is true? Like, that's, that is a, a revolutionary, um, just you know, wait, way to understand what's, what's happening on the inside. And when we're experiencing pain, we are more vulnerable Mm -hmm. to hearing and believing those lies, Mm -hmm. regardless of the type of pain. And it will often sound like God has abandoned me Mm -hmm. in my suffering. Mm -hmm. God doesn't care, or God is punishing me. Or if God loved me, he mm. wouldn't have let this happen. Yeah. Or no good can come out of this situation. Mm. Or maybe even worse yet, God ignores my prayers. Mm. And they will slip through in our pain. And it's mm. harder for us to even capture that we've had that thought. Yeah. Except that they tend to repeat on loop. Mm-hmm. And we keep thinking that and thinking that and thinking that, and we need to break that and go, wait a minute. Is that what I know to be truth? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And I mean, in order to know what's true, we have to be in the word too, right? If, if the only, if, <laughs> if we're not reading or, you know, connecting with God, listening to I love how you have worship songs throughout this book. It's awesome. Um, if you're not doing those things to counteract those lies on loop to teach yourself what is true or remind yourself of what is true. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a harder fight. Right. And the reason I put the praise and worship songs in there is because I don't know if this is true for you, Heather, but when I'm really hurting Mm -hmm. any type emotional pain or relational pain, it's harder for me to praise. Mm -hmm. But when I have praise and worship music playing, I just end up humming or singing along. Mm -hmm. And that's so important because scripture tells us God inhabits the praises of his people. Well, I need him to inhabit that room. I need him to inhabit my heart. But the other thing is, is the enemy hates it when we praise Mm -hmm. God and nothing will make him leave us alone faster than when we're praising and worshiping. And we may not 
feel like doing it. But when I've got that music playing, that is like thumb in my nose at the enemy, like get out of here. This is not your territory. Right. Well, and it also to kind of tie back to the hard answer you gave earlier, like it stifles our pride. Yes. Right. Because we have to be humble when we're worshiping. (laughs) Right. Or I mean, that should be the purpose in worship, right. To be like, okay, I am not God. (laughs) You are okay. I humble myself to what, whatever this is, whatever plan you have, like I can trust that you're a good God and that maybe I don't know best. And even though I don't like this, I don't want this. You do know best. Yeah. And there, but in that, I don't like this. I don't want this. You talk about lament mm-hmm. in your book. And I love that. Will you just speak a little bit? It's okay to say, I don't like this. I don't want this, isn't it? Absolutely. In fact, God even laments. Mm-hmm. This was something that I found in my research is that God laments mm-hmm. over our sin. God yeah. laments when one of his children turns away and doesn't want to have any thing to do with him. But Heather, there is a very fine line between complaining and lamenting. Mm. I am an expert at complaining. (laughs) I am a novice at lamenting, but here's the difference. Complaint is very me focused. Mm. It is what I think I deserve Mm. and it's rooted in pride. Mm. So it sounds like this, God, I didn't, I don't deserve this. I need you to take this pain away. That's like complaining. And scripture says God detests complaining, Mm -hmm. but God offers lament Mm -hmm. as a gift to us. Lament is really expressing our personal despair or loss, but it's couched within an appeal to the character and the expected presence of God. I think mm-hmm. of David who says, why so downcast on my soul? Mm-hmm. And yet I will trust in thee. Yeah. So he's, he's being honest. He's saying, Lord, this situation really stinks, Yeah. but I'm going to turn my focus on you and I'm going to trust you. And sometimes, sometimes we're not sharing the things even that we would normally complain about. But usually lament is, Lord, here's my situation Mm -hmm. and I have to entrust it to your care because without you, I've got no answers anyway. And it really focuses on God's presence and his character and his provision. It's being very honest. Heather, God can handle our emotions Mm -hmm. and he can handle our questions. And I would go so far as to say he'd rather hear all about it then let us walk away from him because that's the other tendency with pain Mm -hmm. is to isolate ourselves and withdraw from God. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. So he welcomes our lament, Mm -hmm. but with lament comes a degree of surrender of, all right, God, it's not what I want, but I'm going to trust you. Yeah. You, I'm just thinking you use the word honesty a couple of times and Again, this may hearken to some poor theology, right? I I feel like at some point growing up, I may have heard even in church, you know, that you just like, you you don't say any, like, you don't like say what's going bad, right? Because that's kind of claiming it or, you know, 
I don't know, acknowledging it will somehow make it true. And it kind of, I don't, <laughs> it sounds a little voodoo like to me now to say it like that. But I really think that is that some of what I picked up. And in that, the dishonesty, right? The, the inability to be authentic with what I was feeling or experiencing, I think that has negative consequences, right? Like I'm just, and, and I'm, this is going to be a weird tie in, but follow me here. You'll get this because <laughs> I know you, but, but just thinking about like with the 12 step program, right? Like the first the first step in a 12 step program is like, hi, I'm Heather. I'm an alcoholic. It's like acknowledging what the problem is. Right. And you can't find freedom until you acknowledge what the problem is. And I feel like the fact that God allows us to lament that maybe he even invites us to lament gives us that opportunity to acknowledge the problem. Right. Like I'm what, you know, (laughs) I said a lot there. What what are your thoughts? It's not like God's not you know, it's not like God sitting up in heaven going, oh, wow, really? I didn't know that happened to you. Yeah. But what what pain does is that it it focuses us so inward, whereas God offers the opportunity mm-hmm. through pain for us to recognize our dependence on him. Yeah. We live in a culture, you touched on this before, we live on a culture that we crave control Mm. well so did satan and that why that's why he was banished out of heaven pain offers us the opportunity to reorient our perspective Mm. to say you know what god there is very little in this life that i'm in control of so really i i'm gonna depend on you like you're the only sure thing that i can depend on and when we do that we relinquish some of that pride because we don't feel like we have to have it all together. Yeah. We don't have to be in control, which is a good thing because we can't anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And I feel like for some of my listeners, for some of my viewers, there may be still a little disconnect between, well, of course I'm not in control over whether or not my husband loses his job or I lose my job or how my kids act. I mean, maybe I could, you know, there's maybe some things we could have done, but of course I'm not in control over that. But when it comes to my body, I'm in control. I mean, Michelle, you walk through cancer. Yeah. Are you, you, you live on Oreos and all the things that they tell us has to happen in order for that to happen. Like, I know you have healthy quote unquote, healthy habits. Mostly like, but I do, I do imbibe on the chocolate now and then if we're but, being honest, but, but, but that's not, but there's no, I, I mean, I think that's the point, right? There's, yeah. there's no diet healthy enough to, yeah. to escape pain in a world where we can buy what we think is the healthiest food and we're still not sure what's in the soil or the water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even if you can buy the food without the pesticides, right. you can't control what's in that soil right. or in the water or how much sun it gets or how much rain it gets. Or what you're breathing while you're or eating the food. <laughs> right? right? Or I mean, there's so, 
or, or what your genetics, I mean, all the epigenetic stuff. I don't know if you followed any right. of this, but you know, the, the trauma that is carried down in our genetics That's right. for generations. I mean, it, there's so many complex things going on in our bodies. Yeah. My family has a very, very strong history of heart disease. Mm. You know me well enough to know I don't like exercise, <laughs> but I do it mm. because I know what my family health history is, mm. but I'm not a fanatic. My brother, on the other hand, mm. has the same genes mm. and he knows what our health history is. He does triathlons several mm. times a year. Now, the only time you're going to catch me running is if a bear is chasing me. <laughs> but he does these triathlons at age 40, mm. Heather. He had a major heart attack. Mm. So we can pay attention to even what our genetic contributors right. are, but that doesn't mean we can control it. Right. right. And realizing that for me takes a little bit of the pressure off. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Right. You can, well, it, it's, it's the, the old adage, right? Like do your best and leave God the rest or something along those lines. Right. But, but it's, it's, it's so much more freeing, I think, to realize that God is ultimately in control even over our bodies. Well, this book is so good. Um, I marked a couple other things, but I think we've kind of woven them in, but would you just give the listeners just kind of like walk us through, like, how is the book set up? We just give your like, you know, 20 second overview of what they can expect to find in the hem of his garment. What is so special to me about this book is that it's really not just about physical pain. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody thinks that's what it's about with that subtitle, reaching out to God when pain overwhelms. But Heather, the people I talk to, the other types of pain are just as prevalent. Right but we don't talk about it. So this book gives a voice to all these other types of pain and areas that can really wreak havoc in our lives. And we talk about my own journey, things that I've experienced. How do we hold on to our faith when we're waiting for God to heal or we're waiting for God to answer our prayers? The reason it's called the hem of his garment is because woven throughout this book is the story of the woman with the issue of blood and just ever so briefly, she struggled with a major health condition for 12 years. But as a result of that, she not only had the physical pain, but she had every other kind as well, emotional, relational, financial, spiritual, secondary pain. She was ostracized. She spent all of her money going to doctors. And the Bible says it just made her worse. Mm -hmm. And yet she held on to her faith enough to believe that in her pain, if she could just reach out and touch the hem of Jesus's garment, mm -hmm. she knew that she would be healed. Yeah. She didn't. I, what I love is that we don't hear that she was like fighting through the crowd. We don't hear that she was crawling up his toque. We don't hear that she grabbed his face and said, you have to heal me. Mm -hmm. She knew that if she could just get a strand of his garment. And so in the book, at the end of every chapter, I give a section called the hem of his garment, which is a promise for you to hold on to cling to that mm -hmm. until you get the answer you're looking for until you experience healing from your pain. I also give a prayer for the reader 
I give reflection questions so that you can think about what we talked about, but apply it to your situation. And then the last section is what you mentioned. There's a recommended playlist of songs, songs that have helped me on my pain journey. And by the way, I'm not through it. I'm still experiencing it. So I'm right there with the reader, Mm -hmm. basically saying, please take my hand because I want you to know you're not alone in this, but pain lies to you and pain will make you think that you're all alone. Yeah. So hold on to my hand and hold on to the hem of his garment. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And and as you mentioned, it is, as I read it, I was thinking body image stuff, of course. And, you know, in in every section, I'm like, oh, this totally applies. Like, and body image issues are emotional pain. They are. And so it, it, it totally 100%, if you're listening to the show because you have body image issues, and I know you are, (laughs) um, then, this book will absolutely apply to every one of those heartaches and struggles that come just with the waking up in the morning. And I know some of y'all feel your stomachs or you look in the mirror first thing, or maybe you get on the scale. I don't recommend that first thing. Um, but you do these habits and they cause you some emotional pain daily and you need some encouragement and, and, perhaps a new path. So I I highly recommend this book. But my friend, Dr. Michelle Bankson, um, it's called The Hem of His Garment. I will put the link in show notes. Anything else? Any final thoughts from you today, Michelle? I would just add, you know, with body image issues, emotional pain is so real. Mm -hmm. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But with body image issues, because I've been there too, also come relationship pain Mm. and frequently financial pain. I don't know about you, but there's, you know, too many of us have invested too much money in every pill potion Mm -hmm. exercise program. And with it comes spiritual pain. Like, God, do you really love me? Am I really fearfully and wonderfully made? Mm. And then there's the secondary pain of comments inflicted by others. So really that's why I'm so, honored that you'd have me on the program because I really do think these are areas that we need to honestly look at to say, is this something that's contributing to the body image issues and what can we do to hold on to the hem while we resolve them? So good. So good. I appreciate it. Hey, would you mind praying for everyone? I'd be honored. Yeah. I feel like this was a heavy topic, so we need to invite the Holy Spirit in to help us with anything we stirred up here. Father God, oh man, pain is hard. And I, I honestly, truly at my core do not believe that you created us for pain, but we live in a world full of pain. And for each listener, I don't know exactly what their pain point is, but I know you do. So would you just reach in and offer the encouragement that only your Holy Spirit can give? Would you let each listener know that you see them, you hear them, that Jesus walked this earth and experienced pain so that he could relate to us in our suffering. And in turn, we can now relate to him in his suffering. Father, I just pray that you would bring hope and encouragement, that you would let each listener know that they are loved and cherished and fully adored just as they are. But Lord, if there's an area of pain, would you walk with them? Would you bring healing? Would you bring hope? Would you bring a hand to hold? And if there is no hand, would you reach down your hand and let them sense your presence? 
because you love them. You are a God of love and you do love. Father, for each heartache that's there, I just ask that you would offer your comfort. You tell us in your word that you comfort us so that we can comfort others. Lord, I pray that they felt some sense of comfort from today's episode, but that you in turn will use them to comfort others so that they might experience that blessing as well. It's in your holy and precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you so much. So good. So good. Uh, tell everyone where to connect with you. Your books everywhere books are sold, but tell everyone where they can connect with you. You've got good stuff on your website and other places. Easiest way to find me is at drmichelleb.com, or you can find me on all the socials at Dr. Michelle Bankson. But it's hard to spell. But you got to so spell it. DrMichelleB.com <laughs> and click on the little Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest icon. It's so much easier that way. That's why I'm compared to who? Because the number of people are Creek Moors have two O's. How many E's are in that? You know, nope, just go compared to who. That's easier. That's right. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Uh, well, thanks so much again for being on the show today, Michelle. It's always fun to be with you, Heather. And thank you for watching or listening today. I hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. The Compare to Show is glad to be part of the Life Audio Podcast Network. For more great Christian podcasts on every topic you can think of, go to lifeaudio.com. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.